Who do you live for? What do you live for? What kind of priorities do you have in your life? If we're honest, most of us would have to say that we don't live a personal culture of joy. In fact, if we're honest, most of us would have to say most of the time, we do what Pastor Craig said to the children up there, we invert that. We live for self first, yourself first. And then we may unselfishly live to help other people at times, especially those that are close to us, our family and our friends and so forth. And then, okay, well, we'll think about Jesus. We'll, we'll put him in there. But the reality is um, that's just original sin. That's the way we are, we're born. We're born selfish. Uh, the theological question, the philosophical question that I've asked and answered on a number of occasions in this room is, are human beings inherently evil or are they inherently good? And my answer is yes and yes. What we really are is inherently selfish. And what we don't realize is that that selfishness that drives us to seek personal happiness is also what gets in the way of that pursuit. So if you've got your bulletin and you're, you're paying attention to what I'm saying here, number one is you and I are born neither good nor evil, but selfish, right? And number two is I am always seeking my own happiness. That's really, I mean, if you ask most people what they really want in life, they just say, you know what? I just wanna be happy. But the problem with happiness is it's not a prime product. It's a byproduct. It's elusive. Um, I think it's still stuck up on my refrigerator upstairs somewhere, but Heather gave me a magnet a long time ago. Do you still remember it? And I haven't forgotten, right? And uh, yeah, she knows my, my uh, thing with butterflies because I've told that story many times. But she basically said, you know, happiness is like a butterfly. You've got to kind of look away and let it land softly on your shoulder. It's not something that you can go and seek. You can't hunt it down and strangle it and take it home, you know, like you're, you're you know, going hunting for venison or something. That's not the way happiness works. When you seek it, you don't seem to find it. But when you seek the priorities that God has for your life, you find that you are just happy without any real reason. And uh, this may end up being a two-part message because I, and I've got to have another week to pray about it, but I really, really see uh, a message for our church uh, beyond this practical message here that I may bring to you next week um, about uh, years and years of effort paying off and, and God bringing blessing and so forth. Um, but I'm going to say this, this week was not an easy week for me. Was it an easy week for you? No. So <laughs> Josh is definitely going like this. So I, I'm gonna steal a little bit of Josh's blessing. Um, last week, uh, I think it was Maddie came running to me and said, the, 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 the girl's bathroom is leaking, it's leaking. And I'm like wearing my suit by then. I'm like, oh great. So I go in there and there's water all over the floor, and frankly, the water is yellow. Oh, no. That's not a happy thought, right? I'm wearing my suit. I'm like, oh, great. You know, we've got a, we've got a vacuum for this. We've got a mop, whatever. I just go in there, vacuum it up, da-da-da, turn the toilet off, thinking that's it. Okay? 
And we, we you know, blocked out that, that, uh, um, that stall, told the ladies not to go in there, right? I didn't go in there on Monday. I don't go in the ladies' restroom all the time. Does that surprise you? <laughs> in fact, sometimes I forget to go in there and check to make sure that you guys, guys have got paper products. I'm sorry, I need to do a better job. But anyway, I went in there on Tuesday. I can't remember if I was told or, or if I just went in there to check. And I mean, the floor was totally covered with water again. But now I looked up and it's coming from the ceiling. I'm like, the ceiling? How is water coming from the ceiling? It's not raining, right? Well, it turns out there's a hot water heater up there that broke and was leaking water. How did I find that out? Because Josh is a drummer, but he's also a plumber. <laughs> and he's also a servant who came, because I'm like sending these, these little messages out on Facebook to the Facebook men. Please help me, please. <laughs> because I thought that it was, there's a bunch of cabling up there that we have. It's Craig's moved it, so he knows how heavy it is. And I thought, you know what, we're going to have to move all that cabling. We're going to have to move all these boxes. And then I'm going to have to get up there with a crowbar, and I'm going to have to crowbar this plywood up so that we can get under the, 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 the you know, floor that's been made up there so we can find out what it was. So I'm off eating on Friday. Josh comes over here after work, and I, I catch him as he's going out. I'm like, oh, he's here. Okay, good. And I go in. My man has already taken down all of this stuff himself from the top up there and traced the leak down, making me feel like a total heel. I'm like, dude, I could have done that. Why didn't I do that? Because I didn't know it was back there. I thought it was underneath there. The point is, this is somebody that chose to serve and not complain about it. And that's what that kind of life is about. That's what that kind of life, living for Jesus rather than yourself, is all about. Um, frankly, when I see a message like the one that I posted, I am probably apt to make excuses and go, oh, um, yeah, I've got somewhere to be that I, it's important. I need to go to Intrinsic and eat some food. Yeah, that's what I need to do. I did move stuff around up there. I did try to figure it out, but I just couldn't figure out what, I just thought it was piping that was underneath there, right? Um, the point is, we can all be unselfish at times, but there, there are some people that that's just, it's kind of in their nature to be less selfish people. And the benefit is not readily observed because I'm sure that while Josh was tossing that stuff down, well, I'm not sure, he's a nice guy. I would have been using my name in vain. Throwing that stuff off of there. Why didn't he do this, you know? <laughs> you were, I knew it. But I want you to know that happiness, when you just seek it out, when you're just lazy, when you're just doing things for yourself. Oh, wow, somebody got a picture of me in there. And I'm looking really happy about that, too. You can tell. I'm just like, look at the, it's on the, you see it's yellow? And I'm wearing dress shoes? That's just tragic. It really is. So number three, um, some people try to live for others, but they quickly find that it's not as rewarding as they had assumed. So you can be unselfish at times, and I'm unselfish at times, and some of you are far more unselfish than me and more servants than me, but you don't really find that that by itself will consistently make you happy. In fact, often, can I be honest with you? Oftentimes, serving other people is frustrating and makes you unhappy. 
And you're like, no, I know I'm supposed to love these people. I'm not, but it's not making me happy. And that's because we're leaving out something that is very, very significant. There are plenty of people in the world that are unselfish or they seek to be unselfish, but they're leaving something out. And the something is a someone and that's Jesus, right? So I need to be living for God next. Number four, the only way to consistently have joy is to live with the right priorities. Jesus first, then others, and then yourself. You see, it's only when I put my, my prime focus on doing the will of God and living for Jesus that I can realize that, you know what, regardless of whether other people are appreciative, that's, that's another thing that's difficult when you're a servant is that the people you're serving are not always appreciative. How many times have you done something for someone and they don't even say thank you? And you're like, all I need is a thank you, but they just kind of expect you to do it because they know that you're the kind of person that serves. I've seen people in this church like this for years. Pastor Craig used to have a truck. Everybody, their mother, brother, and fifth cousin wanted him to help them move. Now, honestly, I only helped Craig help other people on a couple of occasions, and I was about ready to lose it at one point. I can remember uh, we had one family that was coming here, and they were like, hey, you know, we've uh, our lease is up on our house and we've got to move out and da 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 and there's probably a load and a half or whatever and so I'm like hey I'll, you know <laughs> I'll be sacrificial and help out this time <laughs> we show up at these people's house and I know this you experience this more than once we show up at these people's house they hadn't even packed <laughs> but we're the church people so we're just supposed to show up and do it all for you right and here's this lady that is kind of behind this and she's just like, oh, I got these problems. And she's just like sitting on a, on a little stool in the middle of everything, just watching everything. They've got a kid, right? That's the reason that, you know, she, he was in Craig's youth group. And uh, he's the reason that we were doing this. He's barely helping. I'm just looking at these people. I'm like, are you, you have physical problems that are preventing you from doing this? No, your physical problem preventing you from doing this is a psychological problem. It's called laziness. <laughs> so... For a long time, I did not get a truck because I'm just not that unselfish. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. In fact, I bought Pastor Craig's truck and I copiously avoided texts and calls for many people. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm just not that unselfish. I don't want to help you move every time. And some people move like every six months, right? Now, bless them. I know we've, we've all got issues. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. I'm just... In fact, I'm, I'm really trying to make fun of me and just show you that there are, there are people in this church that are far less selfish than I am. But I'm sure that they would affirm the point that I'm trying to make, and that is that you've got to get your reward from Jesus. Because if you're looking for a financial reward, <laughs> you're in the wrong church. All right? If you're looking for you know, people to be thankful, you've got a lot of insecure people that are around you. Right? You got a lot of self-centered people that are around you. You got a lot of people that just like to take advantage of other people that are around you. But see, the thing is, when I'm living for Jesus, he's the one giving me the reward, not these other people. So I'm going to do it because that's what a person that lives for Jesus and loves Jesus does. And I'm going to receive that reward from him. And it may be sooner or it may be later. And again, Baylor's a good illustration of this, a good example of this. Scott Drew comes from Valparaiso, they're fine. They're not having moral problems and, and, and reputation issues and whatever. And he comes to Baylor, which is a bigger school with a potentially, you know, uh, 
better program in the, in the future. But he just says, nope, we're going to win an NCAA championship. It took 18 years. See, sometimes we want that reward right now, right? It's hand to mouth. Well, see, then you're not doing it really for other people. There are people who appear to be unselfish, but what they're really doing is using other people and building up credibility or credit with other people so they can get those other people to do back for them. And so that's not truly unselfish after all. It's just a sophisticated way of being more selfish. Call it a passive aggressive way of being selfish. The only way we're going to accomplish this is if we put Jesus first. Now, I'm gonna just stick it right to the two coaches that were responsible for the, the, the two worst times that I've ever seen, not just in sports at Baylor, but Baylor period, right? Dave Bliss did not show any indication that he was living for Jesus or leading his players to do that. Jesus was not a priority. There's no J. There might've been oi, but there's no J, all right? For some people it's oi, for some people it's yo, but there's no J at all in that deal, right? So lots of problems there. He probably should have gotten into more legal trouble than he did, but we'll put that aside. Art Bryles. Hey man, he had a great story. He really did. And in fact, they wrote a book about it and just, you know, but he just really didn't say a whole lot about Jesus. He was just one of those guys, good old boys, you know, probably raised in and around church here in Texas and so forth. But he just kind of, you know, liked to listen to music with his players and lift in the, you know, the locker room with them and kind of a boys will be boys, men will be men type of a guy that just basically let a bunch of really evil stuff go on, not because he knew it and covered it up. He just wasn't paying attention, right? My point is, he didn't live for Jesus. Whether he professed Christianity or not is, a, is another question. Whether Dave Bliss professed Christianity or not is another question. I'm not talking about your confession or your profession. I'm talking about your priorities. There's a lot of people that profess to know Jesus, but that doesn't mean that he's a priority. But Scott Drew, from the time he arrived on that campus, was smiling and building family and building community and focusing it on Jesus. That's what has to happen in your family. If y'all want to stop arguing and fighting and being frustrated with each other, what's your priority? Money? Your kid's education? I understand why. I do. I get it. Okay? You can even say, well, our family is the priority. That's still not going to work. You need to lead your family's priority to be Jesus. And this has to be factual and actual daily practice, not just an assumption, not just a presumption. Oh, of course, of course we live for Jesus, we go to church. That doesn't mean you live for Jesus, right? I put Jesus first when he's the one that I want to please, not myself. When he's the one that I want to please, not my spouse. When he's the one that I want to please, not my kids. I wanna please Jesus. I want to put him first. I want to put him above all. And I'm going to lead these other members of my family to do the same thing. Now, I'm quite certain in a team, 14 players on the, on the Baylor team, and I don't know what all of their professions are. I don't know what all their lifestyles are. But I would assume if Jesus had one trader among 12, that there might be one or two players that are not necessarily living for Jesus, okay? And that could come out in the future for all I know. But the point is the coach led the team 
to live with that culture of joy. And that means Jesus has to be first. The living for others and living for yourself doesn't work, but living for Jesus first does. And then what you find is when you live for Jesus, he focuses your attention on other people, right? So I brought this up in uh, Philippians. I've got a, a big portion of this passage memorized, but I decided to read it to you uh, with the New Living Translation, which is not the translation I memorized. And uh, I think that this will help you understand what's going on. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 2, verse 1, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with, uh, with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Oh, man, that's hard. Think of others as better than yourself. That doesn't mean that they are better. That means that you treat them better. You need to treat other people better than you treat yourself. Now, some of you don't treat yourselves too well, and so that's not too hard. That's why you got to focus on Jesus and receiving his love. He doesn't say... Uh, that you just love other people, but he says, love others as I have loved you, which means you've got to receive his love. Once you receive his love, you can pass it along to other people, right? Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. That's, that's just really a good way of expressing that, right? Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others as well. You see, some of us, we're, our lives are just so full. We've got so much going on. We're so concerned. We're so worried about so many things. We're just, we're, we're in debt and uh, we don't have enough time to do anything. And that's a matter of priorities. That's how you've planned your life. No, 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 I didn't plan. You say, no, 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 yes, you did. You've made decisions all along the way that have put yourself in the position that you're in now. Now, that's not me pointing fingers at you and trying to make you feel bad. That's me empowering you to say, get out of that situation. What that may mean is that you need to drop some things that you have considered priorities and they're not really important to God. You've made them important to you for one reason or another, uh, you know, uh, sports. Okay, let's just use it as an example because it's been my primary example here. Sports are great, right? Um, if you get your kid on the right team with the right coach, you can teach them a lot of positive qualities, teamwork and uh, all of these other things. Um, but sports can become all consuming. Like you find out that your kid is a little bit talented, you know, pretty decent little baseball player or something like that. Right. I remember I had a, a bunch of young men who were in my youth group uh, back in Craig and Rachel's day. They were younger than Craig and Rachel. But uh, they were all baseball players, and they were all pretty good baseball players. So they were, they were somewhat active in our youth group uh, when they were in middle school. But even then, they were playing a lot of baseball, right? Baseball is a skill sport, and so as a result, they want you to keep playing year-round to keep that skill sharp. These kids were like that, and their parents were really, really favorable to that. All right. I don't know if their parents were necessarily pressuring them to do that. This is what these kids wanted to do. They just wanted to play. Once they got into high school baseball, we never saw them again because that's all they did. I'm sorry. 
your priorities are out of whack. If all you do is chase your kid around and play ball all the time and you miss church, your priorities are out of whack, right? And you're gonna find that eventually, uh, the overwhelming majority of the time, your kid is not gonna make it to pro ball. Your kid may be lucky to make it to college ball. In fact, that was one of the things that Scott Drew said about the young people that were playing for him last year. He mentioned two or three players that couldn't continue on into this year. Baylor could have done what they did this year, last year, easily. They were a phenomenal team, but the whole thing got canceled last year. And he said, in fact, he said it on the, on the show with uh, Stephen A. and the other guy. Um, he said, you know, it, it was just, it was sad because he said, you know that most of these kids are not gonna make it to the NBA. Now these are top level college players, top level, the best in college and still the majority of them are not gonna make it in the NBA. That's how good it is. And we feed these kids pipe dreams and make them believe that sports are so important and that if they just keep playing and playing and playing and playing and playing, they'll eventually make it pro. But even then, what if they make pro? That's not necessarily gonna make them happy either, right? You gotta put Jesus first and that has to start with your family. That has to start with your priorities as a family. You need to sit down and you need to talk about what's important. And your family and treating each other with respect, but also spending time together, that's important. Now I know we just had, you know, COVID 2020, you're like, yeah, we spent enough time together, Pastor. <laughs> We're trying to get them out of the house now. We've been cooped up in the house with these kids for a year and we need to get them out active in something else and get a break. I get it, I get it. But you know, there's, there's kind of this phrase that's going around, this thought that's going around that maybe we don't need to go back to the old normal now that COVID is on the wane. Maybe what we need to do is realize that we might have learned a few things in the midst of this. And one of them is that spending time together is not just, uh, you know, if we have enough time in our schedules, then we might sit down to eat. No, it's vital, it's central, it's essential. That's what needs to happen with your family, with your friends. Right, so we're gonna we're gonna focus on Jesus to make ourselves put ourselves in this position. This is the the primary text that I wanted to get to, and then I'm done. Um, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. No, not just any human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. What I say is Jesus took the elevator all the way down to the sub-basement. He went as low as you can go. He became a human being, but not just any human being, he chose to serve other human beings. And then he chose to die a criminal's death on a cross, an excruciating, shameful death but he didn't stay dead. That's what we celebrated last Sunday. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, amen? That's gonna happen. Further, the scripture says, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up at the proper time. Amen. That happened with Baylor. 
that can and will happen with you because that's God's promise. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God and let him lift you up at the... Maybe you've been overlooked at your job. Maybe you deserved a promotion, you didn't get it. Maybe you deserved a raise and you didn't get it. You've been overlooked, right? Maybe you've been unappreciated. Continue to put your trust in the Lord. Continue to seek his will above your will and you will find that he will promote you. He will prosper you. He will give you what you need. In fact, he'll do more than that. He'll, he will bless your efforts. Now, this something should be said here if it hasn't already become obvious. Baylor didn't just slide into this because God favored them. They had the right culture, a culture of joy. Their attitudes were right, but they also worked really, really hard. They practiced. Young people, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't study. You're just not. Okay? Those of you that are in my karate class, you know, you're not going to promote. You're not going to go forward if you won't practice. Now, that's just my class. If you're on a sports team, if the only time you really, really practice is when you're out there on the field with those players, you're probably not going to get much better at what you do. Those of you that do music, right? I play the same way. I can play guitar. Do you all know that? I can. I could grab Dean's guitar right now and play Stairway to Heaven. I can do it. But I play the same way I played when I was in high school. And I wasn't very good then. These musicians practice. They come up here and they, they work. And as the result, you see the result every Sunday. So I don't know what it is that you do. The same thing with theater, right? If you don't get up on stage and if you don't memorize those scripts and you don't, you know, if you're not willing to be an understudy, then you're not ready to have the main role. So you need to be willing to put in the work. And these people put in the work, but you always put Jesus first. If God gives you a platform, you proclaim the gospel from that platform. Amen? Amen. That platform could be on Instagram. It could be a lot of people following you on Instagram because you've got some great pictures or some goofy pictures, hopefully not some nasty pictures. What you need to be doing is pointing to Jesus. Man, get that platform, build it up, but focus on Jesus and then other people and then yourself, right? So um, the final point on your outline there is very simple. Jesus was asked the question by the religious uh, people in power of his day, what the greatest commandment in the scripture was. What did Jesus say the greatest commandment was? Love other people, right? No, love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he immediately said, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, others, yourself. It's right there in the essential documents of our faith. It's central. This is not just a one-off illustration because I went to Baylor and they won the national championship. This is a way for you and I to get a hold of that same culture of joy and bring it into this church and bring it into our families and look up. See, the thing is, this isn't about drudgery. It is actually about joy. When you live this way, then you can overcome any obstacle. I still, the, the ladies' bathroom back there still looks like 
a bomb went off in it. And we're going to have to figure out how to get all that worked out. And stuff like that usually niggles at me and bothers me and whatever. But even in the midst of all of that, I have still had an overwhelming sense that God is at work and something good is happening. Amen? I want you to get a hold of that. God is good and something good.